Hey, welcome to Life 2.0 Podcast. I'm John St. Augustine. Time to go up the down staircase in the outdoor. Try to make sense out of the senseless. And if at all possible, find the obvious buried in the absurd. Hold on to your lug nuts. Time for a friggin' overall. Glad to have you joining me from anywhere and everywhere, literally around planet Earth. Because of technology, I could get to talk to the world all the way from Chicago, Illinois. So glad to have you joining me, as I said. And a special first up, a shout out to the people who subscribe to this podcast. You know, for years now, every month, they pluck down 20 bucks just to hear me rant and ramble, which is basically the same amount of cost to get a pizza over at Rockies here uh, near where I live. It's 20 bucks a month. Five bucks a week, 66 cents a day for common sense for uncommon times. Worth it, in my opinion, because it's my show. A little different today. So I attribute much of whatever success I've had. That's an arguable term. You know, I, I've published three books. Um, I've done two TED Talks. I've been on radio 25 plus years. I get to do all these projects. I've spoken in many places around the world. This is so far and away the life that I've lived for the last quarter century very different than anything I ever would have imagined when I was growing up on the northwest side of Chicago. And so much of what I think has driven me and guided me and definitely strengthened me has been my ties to Schur's High School. I am a proud alumni, uh, Schur's Bulldogs, uh, purple and gold. If I cut myself shaving, I have a beard most of the time, so I don't shave very often. But if I did and I cut myself shaving, it'd be purple and gold come out, no doubt about that. Everything I've learned about how to be in the world was those formative 48 months at 3601 North Milwaukee Avenue in Chicago. And so over the years, I've stayed in touch a little bit more and a little bit more with the people I went to school with and had no idea, though, really, that the last 10 years, I would become so involved with this landmark in Chicago. The place was built in 1910. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just an incredible fortress on the northwest side. It's a block long and a worldwide, we like to call it. Some incredible alum have gone through their names and notes all over the place. But it faces a lot of challenges in the 21st century that were not there when I graduated 19, none of your business, what year I graduated. It was a long time ago. But none of those challenges, I, anybody that I knew that went to school had to deal with this stuff. It's a very different time now. The kids are different. The building looks the same, basically, but the challenges are increased a thousandfold. So over the years, uh, I've gotten involved with the alumni, as I mentioned, and we've raised money for a lot of different programs. And it's our way of giving back to this place that has given so much to us over the years. And it's a great thing once a year to kind of have our bulldog bash and reconnect with everybody, raise some bucks, help some programs out, close the gaps where the Chicago public school budgets don't allow for. And that's why I always say that the lifelines are more important than the headlines because when you're spending time in the lifelines and you're not all worried about the headlines, things actually get done. What a concept. So I thought what I would do today is uh, have Dr. Heidi Moran on. She is the current principal at Church High School to talk about how she sees things in the 21st century. She was an interim principal, but now she is the uh, day-to-day principal. She's basically there for the duration, and we're glad to have her. And she joins me literally from her desk at Shures. Dr. Moran, welcome. Hi, John. Thanks so much for for generating this idea of having this podcast to highlight the wonderful things that 
that you and the alumni have done for Schurz and some of the awesome uh, projects that we have going on here to to support our students. Um, you know, exactly, as you mentioned, we're really facing some tough times, right? Post-pandemic, just the way the, the economy is shaping up, um, the way our, our moving patterns across the city and, and you know, uh, gentrification and just how neighborhoods constantly change, it impacts our students every day. So as we're trying to provide this world-class education for students and a wonderful academic, um, athletic, and other enrichment opportunities, our students are faced with just the day-to-day -day, um, struggles of having to support their families, of having to step into uh, a role of being uh, caregivers for their younger siblings while their parents are working. Um, and then also, post-pandemic, so many of our students ended up taking up jobs in this gig economy. So wow. for all those folks who use you know, delivery drivers, the DoorDash, the Grubhub, the, all those pieces, we have, I'm telling you, we have students who who work um, an infinite number of jobs to to support themselves and support their families. And that's where the connections to our alumni association has been, has been absolutely wonderful to have you guys be involved, to come in and volunteer, to get to know the students, to serve as an inspiration, and then also to kind of fill in the gaps where they're needed. So um, recently, I know you guys, uh, with your support, we were able to clothe and and get some winter gear for our students. Mm -hmm. So yeah. really, um, yeah, I think we're, we're, we've got a lot of great things cooking and it's really, you know, it needs to be a community effort to really make some differences in, in our students' lives. But here we are at Shures, we've got um, over 10 different academic tracks that students can opt into. We're still aiming to keep the trades alive via mm. our CTE, our career and technical education programs. So we have this amazing pre-engineering program, health pro medical program, uh, automotive, business, entrepreneurship, and um, lots of other our other academic tracks. So we do offer mm. the International Baccalaureate. We became Water Wall a few years ago. And yeah, just really trying to um, make a name for ourselves out there and really trying to put out all these wonderful things that our students do each and every day mm -hmm. that don't often get that media coverage in the city of Chicago. Yeah. Usually in Chicago, any media coverage is usually negative. I don't care what it is. It's just it's the way the media runs. And unfortunately, and this is part of the reason we're having this conversation, it's also part of the reason, you know, I'm so adamant that we, we continue this as a Shures podcast the next year with the kids running this and me backing out and you guys doing the whole thing, but I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to, you know, guide it as best I can. Is it because there's so much good going on we never hear of? And that's kind of the premise of this. But let me just b jump backwards. I never wanted to talk to principal when I was there. You know, when I went to school, the last person you want to talk to or be t was the principal. Uh, at that time, it was James P. Maloney. He was a great guy. But, you know, there was a fear factor there. And I'm in the school enough to watch what goes on there. And that it seems to be that the, one of the main things I've observed is that that wall between the principal and the students has gotten a lot thinner. Definitely, definitely. And I think it's important, right? So, so many of our decisions actually go through our students nowadays. And um, that's really the way that it, it should have been all along and the way that it has to be. If you really want the school to be the best place it can be to support your students, the student body has to have a consistent line of communication with decisions that are made, um, everything from you know programming as far as what courses are offered, but also those enrichment opportunities, right? Uh, you know, uh, 
uh, we didn't we didn't put your graduation year out there, but while <laughs> over time, you know, some of some things just never change about yeah, what motivates yeah. teens. Yeah. We have a different teenager nowadays, yeah. right? Yeah. I mentioned those increased responsibilities. So it's really important to reach out to them and say, okay, hey, what do you find interesting these days? What's fun for you? What makes, what's, what's going to make school the place to be for you? And yeah, you're right. I think, I think there's still some, well, it's mainly with our staff. We have over 20 alumni who are staff. So when yeah. I call them down to meet about something, you know, something mundane uh, and just, uh, just regular, uh, you know, concern mm-hmm. or something needs mm-hmm. to be addressed. They they're, they're shaking in their boots. So I know exactly what it's, you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> Every now and again, when I come in for a meeting, and a shout out to the front office ladies, uh, Patricia and Lucille, because I go in there and again, nobody wanted to go in 120, right? When you're at school, and now <laughs> I walk in there and I sit on that bench and I look at all the principals up there, and I I worked actually at Shures. I taught there for a few years under the late Dr. Bender. And there's not been a lot of female uh, leads over there, Doc. So how does that feel? Um, you know, it's it's really exciting. I think uh, in in talking to some of our alum who who are current employees here, but also some of our students, they obviously have spoken to you know it being a, an inspiration and having that role model. And even for myself, I, I've worked at a handful of schools, and I had the privilege of of working under one female principal for just a year. So. Mm. I know that you know it's it's um, definitely in the last few years that we're breaking the glass ceiling in the city of Chicago. There's really only a handful of high school female principals, mostly yeah. if they're if they're around, they're in elementary schools. So for me, it's um it's an honor and a privilege to have been appointed principal here, um, and I'm I'm happy to to do the best job that I can as I know that we have a lot of young people um, and young women looking up to me. Hmm. Your story, uh, I've never heard from you. I've heard from a lot of other folks that, that are around. Uh, uh, Mr. Anderson, my, my brother from another mother from uh, back in our high school days, is the band director, the musical director, and he's told me little bits here and there. But uh, before you got your, you know, your uh, doctorate at University of Illinois and your MA at Dominican and your BA at Dominican, you had an interesting road even getting to that point. Oh, for sure. And I think I, you know, the reason I'm in education is because I'm here because of these wonderful teachers who went above and beyond their job as a teacher. Um, I, my, my parents immigrated here. Um, I was just, just a baby and, uh, you know, um, ended up crossing the Rio Grande on my uncle's shoulders, as the story goes. And I was here was an undocumented student in CPS, um, elementary schools, high schools, and I happened to be, um, you know, considered amongst that gifted group of students, and I graduated with a, with a diploma from the IB program at Lincoln Park High School, had a um, promising GPA, and didn't really have a lot of prospects, because at the time, there wasn't, you know, the streamer process for DACA for undocumented students that didn't exist at the time. Mm-hmm. So I recall one of my high school counselors kind of saying, well, Good luck. And that was it. I didn't end up applying to college. I graduated from high school without a college plan. And throughout those high school years, you know, who I kept in touch with was my seventh grade teacher over at my local elementary school, which was Kitty Corner from from my house where I grew up, grew up in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was this teacher who was like, wait a second. No, you got to go to college. we got to make this work. we got to make it happen. And, um, you know, he... he called in a few folks he called mm-hmm. in a few mentors and through that just just you know finding access for me someone whose family didn't have it you know my um 
my my dad went to school up until sixth grade, my mom till third grade. So wow. really struggling even with, you know, having parents who are literate, much less having parents who know like how do you how do you finagle access to, to these, um, you know, to college mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. to folks who can help you out. So it's really you know my seventh grade teacher went above and beyond, and I actually got. Um, through the immigration process because of that teacher. Wow. Uh, you know, crazy story is that they went ahead and um, my parents for years were trying to do the, the legal processing and such. And because they made below the poverty line uh, wages, um, we couldn't get approved. So my seventh grade teacher was like, hey, what do you need? You need copies of my tax return? Here you go. And I'll sponsor you. Wow. So this teacher became my sponsor. And that's something you don't you rarely hear about. Yeah. But here working at Schur's, we have so many teachers that go above and beyond the job that's required of them every day just to support our students and to kind of see the potential and, and help them along the way. So I owe my doctorate, my master's, my bachelor's degree to this um, teacher who just put his neck out there and, um, and, and supported my, you know, me and my family sure. just, by, um, just by being there for us. What's it like for your folks when, when all this was taking place? They had to be so proud of you. Oh, yes, definitely. You know, they, um, you know, since I was a, a little kid, they schools first, it didn't matter anything yeah. else. As a matter of fact, as a teen, when I wanted to go ahead and get a job, they prohibit they said, Oh, no, we're, we'll do the work. Yeah, your your full time job is school. And yep. they instilled that in myself and my siblings. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm extra, extra proud. My youngest sibling, she just graduated from Princeton last oh my year, gosh. mechanical engineer. What? Yeah. So oh, wow. Wow. So I don't know how many uh, students at yours are going to hear this. We'll see how that goes during the, you know, we're during the break week. You guys are on break at school. Uh, But I wonder if any of them know your story or can feel your story. I mean, some of what you deal with there is not unlike how you grew up. Right. So many, so many similarities, um, so many, you know, shared experiences with our students, whether they're immigrants or not. Um, just that, you know, the shared story of, of struggle of, of coming up in a community where, you know, you don't you, you're not in the highest level rungs of socioeconomic status, right. where you attend schools that maybe don't have that prestige. Um, and so here and there and working with some of our student voice um, representatives at student council and different clubs that I meet with regularly, they've heard they've heard bits and pieces here and there. Um, and just listening to their stories. There's so many through lines, you know, the. The challenges that they're dealing with today with, with, with the pandemic, with supporting their families financially, with the commute that they have to, mm. to make just to make mm. it to Shures, I'm very similar, you know, uh, in, in, in a lot of ways and different to my experience. But I think at the end of the day, I think what they do, hopefully the message that they're getting from me is, you know, you, you, your resilience and your commitment to education is what's going to open up doors for you. Well, you know, uh, probably six, seven years ago now, myself, uh, Gary Lukasik, who's an alumni, and our friend, late, great Phil Larson, who really started the whole uh, Bulldog Alumni Association with me, we came in, this is when Dr. Rodriguez was the principal, and we were just starting to gather once a year, we're starting to, like, we got to do something, we're charging people money for beer and pizza, let's do something with it. So we um, came in to meet with Doc Rod, and we talked with him, and we said, so where could we help the most? And he started to explain this STLS program. And the three of us sat there and said, what are you talking about? Basically, kids who don't have a stable home or a place that we would call home, uh, students in temporary living situations. And he had to tell us three times because 
none of us experienced that while we were there. Now, there may have been kids that were in difficulty, but we never, there was no such program. And he's explaining this and thinking to myself, high school is tough enough, but if you're sleeping on a couch at somebody's house or you're sleeping in a van or you're sleeping somewhere that isn't your home or a home base, it's got to be 10 times as tough. So can you explain a little bit about that program? Yeah, and I think, um, you know, the program is um, Chicago Public Schools kind of generated this this process of providing for students things that they would need outside of the standard school day. So, you know, um, everything from just supplies that they need every day for their classes to a winter jacket, you know, um, CTA bus carts to help you on your commute. Because uh, you still have to pay bus fare, regardless of you know wherever wherever you're coming from. Covering fees for students being able to attend field trips that sometimes we have students contribute towards bus busing and and the ticket amount. And I'll you know I'll never forget this last last year, or actually two years ago from now, we had um, a student call. They were looking to transfer, and the student was in his senior year. It's like, why are you looking to transfer? He said, well, because I'm already working and I'm trying to help um, my, you know, single dad, mom had passed away, but I'm trying to help my dad with paying the rent and our rent is going up from, you know, I think it was a one bedroom apartment. It was going up from $1,100 to now they wanted $2,400 because they had had a new, a new owner acquired the building. And that's just a story for a lot of our students. And that's how they end up in these temporary living situations where they end up either finding a relative or a friend that they can stay with so they can continue attending school and not have to, to make this crazy commute. So the STLS program is there to 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 help those students out, you know, with, mm-hmm. with whatever that they need. Because some of them are aiming to stay in their exact same residence, but they're looking at more than double rent just because you've got a new owner coming in mm-hmm. looking to – you know, make make a buck from just from what you know the rise in in cost and inflation, the rise in cost in rent because of sure. inflation or other reasons. Sure. So that first time we said, okay, we're going to get behind STLS, and and the first project we did, we had a bunch of alumni came in, and we got these tote bags, and the tote bags were filled with essentials, just toothpaste and toothbrushes and all manner of things that you and I would use just and not even think about it. And we put I don't know eighty or a hundred of these tote bags together. And they were doled out to the STLS kids. And the reports back from Lucille and, and Dyra and Patricia were all like, it's like you gave them a million dollars. And for two reasons. One is the actual physical uh, bags are great and it's great to have that stuff. But they couldn't, some of them couldn't get past the fact that people who didn't even know them but just went to school at the same place decades earlier would do this. It was foreign yeah. to them. Right. And, you know, to have someone who's there who cares for you, who's um, going to, you know, going to look out for you, who you build a trusting relationship. So you mentioned, you know, Dara, Lucille, Patricia, they're, they're our front desk clerks. So they interact with students day in and day out for all sorts of, for all sorts of things. And the students know them, they come to them for yes. all sorts of concerns. And it, for them, you know, they're like their school moms. Yes, they really do. Yeah. Some of them will actually call them mom. Um, <laughs> but they're their school moms. They're there to take care of them. And for them, it was just this other person who's there, you know, watching out for me and someone who I can go to if I need anything. Yeah. It's something to see because every now and again, as I mentioned, when I'll be in the front office waiting for Tim or whatever it is, I watch the interactions and the trust factor, like I said, as you mentioned, of these kids streaming in, walking up there, and there they are, you know, uh, it's like they're like the firewall, the three of them, and it's in a good way, and they're taking care of business and making things work. And I, and I keep thinking to myself, again, it's hard sometimes 
because we had none of that. We didn't need that back then. It was a very, very different time. So there's still some kind of adjustment. Every time I go in there, I still should make, shake my head and go, this is still really just amazing. But another conversation you and I had uh, not long ago was even more amazing. And I think what's happened mostly over the years since I graduated and the interim time between you know the 1970s for sure and the 80s and even into the 90s is that this has become a business in so many ways. And it's not like all of you have enough to do already. Now you got to run a business. Now you have to attract clients, basically, which are your students. And I found that to be, I suppose it's an inevitability thing, but in a city the size of Chicago, when high schools are you know, vying for position to get students in, which all translates into dollars from the state, that's not something they teach you, you know, when you're getting your doctorate, is it? You know, I... I it, there's not a specific course for it, but yeah, there are definitely seminars I've had to attend. Just thinking, okay, how do you how do you market the great things that you are doing, what you're offering? So that's definitely changed over time. You know, with the advent mm-hmm. of some of these um, programs and um, schools, and how uh, you're no longer the concept of the neighborhood school yep. has transformed in such a way where you can't you can no longer count on just the students who live within your residence area because. Right. Um, you know, while the intent behind it is to open up the doors and let students be able to attend schools outside of their zip codes, I think the um, one of the definite challenges from that process is now we have to go ahead and and make sure we get the word out there and compete about compete um, and share. Okay, we also offer these awesome programs. We have. This is this is what we have to offer. Whereas before, we didn't really have to be as you know vocal right. about it. People just walked in the door. Exactly. Yeah. That's a, that's a difficult thing. That's another one of those adjustments because, as you mentioned, for example, when I was there, we all, you know, a couple of kids took buses. One girl I knew took two buses to get there. That's not unusual. But they were all in a very defined area. Either you went to this school, you went to Shures, you went, there's really only three, and there was no competition. It's kind of just where you live. And as things have changed, I can see that as, like, the third thing on the list becomes how do we, you know, educate these kids, even though it's a priority for you and your staff. Having to add this marketing aspect almost to it, I think adds a whole nother layer of stress because for every student that you lose, also money goes out the door, which all comes out in the budget, correct? That's right. Um, we are so lucky here at Shures to have a committed group of neighbors who form our Friends of Shures group. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also happen to know that another high school's their Friends of group fund specific positions, such as a is that right? uh, you know director of marketing wow. or, or or that or <laughs> such. You know, whereas here at Shures, it's our own folks who are doing the marketing. It's our right. counselors, our right. curriculum coordinators, our assistant principals are, are going out there. So um, yeah, that's definitely. Um, uh, a new challenge that we've had to adapt uh, to the times and f- figure out ways to to keep our um, you know to keep our community engaged and, and sharing all the all the great things that we have to offer here. So very excited about this news. Uh, I know you want to share this, uh, which is the uh, donation that you received from the Clarendale, which is the new Six Corners Senior Living Development that's slated to open in the spring of 2023. Can you tell us about that? 
Yeah, um, you know, it's been in the works for a little while. There's a new development over in, in, the, in the Six Corners area. Ended up donating to us a, a $100,000 mm. um, donation to the Friends of Shures for the benefit of future Shures students. Mm. And so you mentioned already Kathy Wren, who works on our post-secondary team. And so she, along with some other staff members, were working out the details of how to go ahead and um, award the scholarships to benefit as many students as as possible um but i think sometimes uh what we forget about it is these students are incredibly gifted and yeah. talented beyond measure i i think about one of our students from last year she um her name's simone she graduated here from Schurz, yes. had a very compelling personal story she ended up getting a full ride tuition and, and such to Harvard. So yes. she's over at Harvard now. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things we think about is, okay, well, the students are going to, they're, they're going, um, to the East Coast. They're going to the Ivy Leagues. It's a phenomenal. It's amazing. And we do the same students who were struggling to kind of make it to school and, and just having to pay bus right, fare and having right. to scrounge up their pennies for, for that such an event. So really excited about this donation. I think mm. we're going to really stretch every dollar to support our students, even our students who get tuition scholarships. You know, they still have the room and board to worry about. You still have got yes. uh, travel costs to worry about. So it's going to be a, an, it's an, going to be an amazing opportunity to support our students um, for, you know, their, their academic needs and also all these other incidentals that, that uh, inevitably, you know, mm-hmm. creep up and, and they have to pay for. Uh, yeah. Flights these days, right? They're yeah. astronomical costs. It's not what, the, what it used to be. So um, every, every dollar counts and we're just so grateful for the donation and also for, um, for Friends of Shares to help helping facilitate this over the last few years. Absolutely. I have to say that uh, I was also heartened to hear because we've had some conversations around the trades. The, the scholarship that we give out from the uh, Bulldog Alumni Association is uh, $2,500 in our friend Phil's name because he was a carpenter for 35, 40 years. And not everybody's going to go to college. And you're going to need plumbing and you're going to need carpentry. And you're going to get your car worked on and stuff. Can you talk about anything that might be going in the direction of the trades in the future? Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, you know, we uh, just a couple of weeks ago, one of our assistant principals, Mr. Mr. T, he's working with you know local dealerships or donating some new supplies, some some used cars and such for our automotive program to keep working on them. And, you know, every every day we're just looking for other um, organizations and, and businesses to partner with because uh, we've got some very talented students um, who, who just given the opportunity, we know that they're going to just learn so much from potential internships and just looking out for their, you know, for careers in those different trades. So we've got... Um, We've got our digital media um, program, our, as I mentioned, our pre-engineering, our automotive, our allied health. You mm-hmm. know, students who are interested in the health fields. So, you know, as as these programs have, you know, developed, it's really helpful to have folks such as yourself and the alumni to support those scholarships and um, and really, you know, provide students with with an array of post-secondary options because we know that that four-year college um, pathway isn't the same for it's mm-hmm. it's not the best fit for every single student mm-hmm. and you know we've got some amazing successful graduates who who did alternative pathways who went ahead and and you know used what they their certifications that they earned while they were in high school to have successful uh you know, successful careers mm-hmm. right um mm-hmm. 
some of our teachers kind of joke around with some of those students to say, whoa, you're just you're, you're two years on the job and you're making more than I am. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I always kid people, my best grades at Shures were lunch and gym. I mean, A's, I got A's every time. Uh, but, but uh, you know, everybody finds their way in the world. And I, what I really enjoy most about, you know, I'll park my car across the street and I'll come walking into that V entryway. And it, I just am flooded with the emotions of those really very short four years. You're not there four straight years. It's like about 48 months cutting a lot of bu- bunch of pieces. And it's amazing to me, uh, so removed from graduating back in 1977, that so many of us, 20 uh, on staff at, at Shures, our, our alumni, we have this 2,500 alumni group uh, that's on Facebook, stays connected. We have the Bulldog Bash every year where we get a great turnout. We raise a lot of money. I'm amazed, and I keep thinking, what's the what's the secret knock here? What's the aha? What is it that keeps guys like me and, and the people that I've worked with and so many of the alumni that will be listening to this going back? And I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's a sense of pride uh, or something along those lines. I not exactly sure what the right word is to this day as all these years I've been working on this stuff I still can't quite define it and somebody once told me it's not we're not just friends we're family and it feels that way no matter what year you graduated uh, or what where you were in the class ranking or whether you played sports or not whatever it was if you went there there was a sense of a very large human family that comes out of that right and I think that um, you know every day it's like every, every year we get more and more alumni applying for jobs and getting jobs here. And um, most recently, I know I interviewed an, an art candidate a few weeks ago and recent recent graduate. It's like, okay, why do you want to come back to Shures? Mm-hmm. And you know what? It, what it comes down to is um, really those those teachers who made such an incredible impact on their lives, and also the the friendships that they made here. Right. Um, it's really you know that during those formative years to really have those influences. Um, you know, we have students and they come in all the time and they're asking, does this teacher still work here? Have you heard from them? Um, and, and that's just an everyday thing. It's, I think it, it's really, it comes down to those relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And those uh, connections that you've made. And it, it does feel like family, even, um, even for folks who've been work who aren't necessarily alumni, mm-hmm. but they've been working here for years. You know, there's something about yours, just being a place where, where you care for others. Mm-hmm. You want, you know, you're, you're a family. You really want to support each other through, through the hard times and um, the good times. So I thanks for spending time during your downtime because I know it's going to get busy when you go back to school in a week. Um, what's what's your biggest thought or challenge you would think coming up between now and June when when school's out for the summer again? What what's your number one priority uh, at Shures these days? Uh, I think our our priority is you know to keep our our team, our teachers, our students motivated towards their goals, their academic goals, their personal goals despite all of these um, distractions. And I'm talking distractions as far as our economy and those challenges with inflation and everything that's going on. And then also the citywide violence. Um, you know, we, we, we did have a serious incident to open up the year and, and nothing since then, knock on wood. But our students come from over 41 zip codes, last I checked. Wow. And, you know, all over the the city, we're seeing this increase, this uptick in yeah. in crime and violence, with youth um, being most impacted. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what keeps me up at night: is how do we continue to provide a great space for students to to have a space, a safe space to come in, but also a place where 
they can sort of leave some of those troubles behind and really focus on what school's supposed to be about, what being a teenager is supposed to be about. Um, and yeah, that's I think that's the that's the big boulder to to try to to try to manage. One of the reasons I wanted to have Dr. Moran on, uh, among many, was the fact that it's all about getting involved. In my opinion, you know, it's too easy to sit back and watch these headlines and say, "Look at how you know terrible things are," and out of fill in the blank. And then you go to a school like Shures, and you see the inner workings and all the pieces that are moving and all they're trying to do and how difficult it is. Uh, to be an educator in 21st century, and in some ways to be a student in 21st century. And I'm looking at this obviously in the micro, now expand it to the macro. The challenges with education are phenomenal and uh, over the top and difficult. And I think of the group of them going in every day, the 200 plus teachers that, that are there and doing their thing. And all this is to get our kids going in a direction, hopefully that it creates a, a life for them of, of service and success. Not easy to do. And for a few years, there was a lot of knocking going on teachers. Um, yeah, yeah, go try it for about two months, three months. I taught in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s for three years there at Shures. And I almost took the education track. And it shifted for me. I went in a different direction. But I have such deep respect. I still have friends that teach there. And uh, just walking into the place, knowing that they're upholding something that's so valuable to me, it uh, just gives me great pause, and every time I come out of there, I feel like uh, this is a good thing. So I would encourage you, whether you're a Shures Bulldog or you've gone to whatever your school is that where you might be listening to this, is to get involved at some level because it it all I'm telling you, it's like dipping yourself in magic waters. You start applying yourself in places. You have left less time to sit around and complain about what's not happening because you're part of the solution instead of just complaining about the problem. It's it's something I think is vitally important. If you don't like the way something is, go find a little tiny piece and apply your magic to it. It makes all the difference in the world. So uh, I look forward to working with uh, my friends at Shures and the Friends of Shures, which is the nonprofit organization that uh, we work with as an alumni association. And uh, again, as I started out, I, you could have told me in a million years that I'd be doing this. I'd say, there's no way. When I walked out the door in June of 1977, I never thought I'd ever walk back in. The universe had other plans. Sometimes that's the way it goes. Until next time, be well, safe travels. Adios.